doing? Uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm Ryan Jorgensen, and I get to serve here in various capacities. And one of those, I get to uh, open up the scriptures in worship in a sermon. So would you guys, everybody with me, open your Bibles and grab them in your hand. And maybe if you don't, you know, if it's on a phone, there's no judgment here. That's a Bible too on the app. So grab that in your hand and go ahead and stand with me really quick. We have been declaring a statement every week throughout this series that's based on the principles of God's word about the word. And so would you say this together with me? This is God's word, his heart revealed. I humbly declare his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I will lean not on my own understanding, but incline my heart now to receive his word so that I may excel still more in filling the earth with his glory by walking in his truth and loving all people as he has loved me. May that be our prayer this morning. Thank you. You can be seated. That's our desire as we dive in today. Now, as you know, we've been, if you've been around, if you don't, we've been going through the book of what? First Thessalonians, and we've been going verse by verse, and uh, recently we've been looking at the concept, how do we excel in our worship of the Lord and our relationship with Jesus, kind of a vertical focus. And we've been looking at uh, some of those ways, rejoicing always, praying at all, all times, being thankful in and for everything, right? So that's what we've been looking at. Now, today we're going to break off from 1 Thessalonians 5. Don't worry, we're going to jump back into it next week. But we are going to stay on the theme of how to vertically worship the Lord and excel in this relationship. Specifically, uh, can we have emotions in our worship of the Lord? Where do emotions fit into this vertical excelling in relationship with Jesus Christ? So, for instance, do our emotions play in when we pray, when we rejoice always, when we give thanks in and out of things? Do our emotions play into when we sing to the Lord? Or really, if you think about it, do our emotions play into anything because all of our lives are acts of worship is what the Bible says. For instance, in Romans 12:1, God says to you and I, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Well, the last I checked, my emotions are part of my body. So God, are you telling me that I can worship you with my emotions? Where does that fit in? Now to help us to make sure we're talking about the same thing on this, I'm gonna give some foundational things. For instance, let's come up with a working definition of emotions. Here's what we're gonna go off of. Emotion is feeling, a feeling. To broaden that, it's a controllable reaction to something that comes from one's heart. Okay? Kind of makes sense. Now, what I want to focus on right here, though, is you notice it's a controllable reaction. Uh, you know, can our emotions control us at times? Yes or no? They sure can. But are we victims of our emotions? And the reality is, is that we can control them. In Christian counseling, we use this idea of a train. It's a simple question. Work with me on it. But what drives a train? Is it the engine or the caboose? It'd be the engine, right? The caboose doesn't drive the train. Well, the way God's designed us is that our minds, and based off facts that we think, they are going to actually determine our feelings, they can control them for good or bad. We're going to look at that, but they can. And, and why am I saying all this? Is because we're going to see today that there are a number of things God wants us to do with our emotions. But if we've walked in here today thinking that we are just victims of our emotions and we can't control them whatsoever, well, then it doesn't make any sense. Why would God tell us to control something we can't control? Do you see? And so we're trying to get foundational things. They are feelings. They are things we can control. Now, I'm going to make a statement. I know it's going to be just profound, but here we go. Human beings are complex creatures. And all the husbands with our precious wives in mind as we say that and think about that, we would say a hearty amen to that, wouldn't we? We love you, but man, you are complex. But you know, in all reality, we all, as human beings, we are complex creatures, are we not? And I'll tell you what, when you get into studying emotions, whew, that really comes out. 
to try to fully understand emotions, part of us as complex creatures. I mean, what are they? Where do they come from? What do we do with them? Uh, what emotions even exist? Let's just start there. I set out on this journey to, to say, okay, I'm going to find out what emotions exist. And I couldn't find one list that matched another one completely. I mean, going from Aristotle to present-day psychologist Richard Pluchin to, okay, I'm going to go to the Bible. Where's the list in the Bible? God says, this is the emotions I created. Like, you're not going to find it. It doesn't exist. Instead, we look at the Bible and we think, okay, I think this is an emotion. I think this is an emotion. You see? So they, there's, it's already getting deep and complex, even just coming up with a list of possible emotions. But with that said, I at least did come up with at least, I think, 10 emotions that most people are going to agree with on, uh, that these are emotions we as a human being can experience. So right out of the gate, you're going to see anger. Okay, we all can have anger, but see, already right there, you're going to get more complex because some emotions are going to have root ones and then they have fruit ones. There's some emotions that are derivatives from others. So you can have anger, but then you can get bitterness that comes out of anger. You see, did I mention we're complex? We're complex, right? So there's an emotion with a derivative. We've got grief and sadness. We've got surprise, uh, anticipation. Desire. I mean, that one can go into lust and greed and, and envy and all of those. Um, you've got fear and joy. And you've got disgust and a couple more hatred. And of course, you wait, where's love? Where's love? There's love. All right. So these are various human emotions that we all have. Um, if you don't have them, that's what the sermon's for. No, just kidding. But um, we have these emotions, right? And, and it's not exhaustive. This is not exhaustive, okay? But it's to help us to start thinking about the things we want to talk about. The question is, are these good? Are they bad? Again, what do we do with them? For instance, I know there are some Christians that they kind of think that Christians should be, uh, have barely any emotions, if any at all. That, that in a way, we should look to the great hero of the galaxies, Spock, of how, how we should deal with emotions. Check out his emotion of fascinating. This is fascinating. Fascinating is a word I use for the unexpected. Fascinating. 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 Right? I mean, that's, that's what we're supposed to be like. Just the emotions are just like that. We're just a bunch of Vulcans, right? So, so, so where do we go with this? Where do we start? Here, here's a, a foundational verse. This is awesome. God tells us in Romans 12, 11, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. No matter what Greek word and translation you're going to get, the Greek word for zeal means intense emotion. God is telling you and I, do not be slothful in intense emotion for him and certain things we're going to talk about. But there's no question, guys, that when you read the scriptures, God is telling us we can worship him with our emotions, that we, there's a place for our emotions. Now, I'm going to give you four reasons why we should worship him with our emotions. And the first one has a couple facts that build to it. The first fact is this, God himself is emotional, very emotional. Very rational, but also very emotional, okay? So here's some emotions, not exhaustive, that when you read the Bible, you're going to find that God has these emotions. He has anger and grief and sadness and jealousy and joy and hate, disgust, and, of course, love. So not exhaustive, but he, in the Bible, is recorded. He has all these kinds of emotions. So even when you uh, think about even just one of them, let's camp on uh, jealousy. God says this, for you shall not worship any other God for the Lord, whose name is what? Help me out. Jealous, Jealous is a what? Jealous God. God is saying, hey, I, I have such emotion here. Uh, you can call me a number of names. Here's one you can call me. You can call me Jealous is a name. I was thinking about this. I thought, yeah, have I ever prayed and said, oh, Jealous, I just love you so much. Like, that's odd when you really think about it. But it's right there. You see it for yourself. The point is this, though. Has not, I think I rest my case. God has emotions. I mean, when he's saying you can even call me one as a name, I think that settles it. All right, so he has emotions. Now, now here's the second building block for this, is that he has emotions 
But second, we are made in the image of God. God says this about us as people, let us make man in our image. So what that means is God has emotions and he has given you and I emotions as reflecting part of his image in us. So we should worship him with our emotions because our emotions glorify God as part of his image in us. Does that make sense? Okay, so this is a a way to glorify God. It comes ultimately from him. Now, a second reason why we should worship God, I need you to help me out, church, remembering the 1990s of church world. Do you remember the acronym WWJD? What does that stand for? What would Jesus do? Gabe, go and raise your hand. He's got one of those bracelets. You remember those bracelets? Those were awesome. Okay, and apparently they're still selling them and milking that thing out for all it's worth. But it's a great acronym, right? What would Jesus do? Now, where do we get that idea from in the Bible? Well, we get it from places like in 1 John 2, 6. He who says he abides in Christ. In other words, you claim to be a Christian, what? Must walk as Jesus walked. In other words, Jesus is our perfect model really for anything. How do we please God? Look at Jesus, uh, including how about emotions? Did Jesus have emotions? What did he do with emotions? And so when we do that, well, I thought, okay, I'm going to go and get pictures of Jesus. So I went online and I found some ancient paintings of Jesus. And I want you to pick up if there's a pattern of the emotions of Jesus in these pictures. Now, there's one. You've seen that one before. Another one. Another one. And I guess other than he always looks white, probably way too white than what he's supposed to be. But that's another point. But the thing is, here's the pattern of emotions, right? There's not a lot, is there? He looks pretty, what you call it, stoic, doesn't he? Now, why is that? Is that because Jesus was emotionless? He didn't have any? Or maybe is that because people were painting these hundreds of years later, thought that he didn't have a lot of emotions, right? So, So now help me out. What I love about our church, you're going to get this answer right. If we want to learn about Jesus, what he did with motions, if he had them, etc., are we going to go to ancient Christian paintings of him to learn that? No. Are we going to go to the latest Hollywood movie about Jesus? Please say no, okay? (laughs) Where do we go? The pages of the, the Bible, right? So when you study the Bible and you study Jesus, oh my goodness, he had all sorts of emotions. This list is not exhaustive, but here's at least some of the things you see. He had joy. It says he was joyful rejoicing because of certain people's faith that he saw. It says that he had anger. Literally, Mark 3, 5 says he looked at them with anger. There's no debate about it. He had a form of anger at times. Sadness. He had grief when he was with his friend Lazarus and he died. He wept. He was grieving for the loss of his friend. He had brokenheartedness. It says he overlooked the whole city of Jerusalem at one point and just wept. Why? Because they were lost and separated from him and it broke his heart. And you also see he had another emotion of astonishment. So this is not exhaustive. The point is Jesus had a lot of emotions. In theology, what we call some of this idea here is what we call the incarnation. The incarnation, that God the Son came as a man, a man with emotions, just like you and me. Because God has emotions, he has emotions, we have emotions, we all do. Now, let me say this. Something that's interesting I have found is that that a lot of Christians, most of us, we easily accept the God named Jesus. But some of us struggle accepting the man named Jesus. Let's say that again. Most of us accept the God named Jesus, that God, Jesus was fully God. But we, we kind of struggle thinking of the man named Jesus, that Jesus was 100% human, just like you and me too. They had emotions just like you and I as well. Well, again, when you do a study, there's no debate. He had all sorts of emotions. And so we need to worship God, not just because they glorify God as part of his image with our emotions, but also Jesus clearly modeled emotions. Now tied really close to that, another reason is we also have a ton of godly heroes that you read about in the Old Testament, the New Testament. They had all sorts of emotions. 
We can go a long time on this, but I'll just hit on a couple just to kind of build that case. How about King David? You ever heard of him? Now, what does the Bible say? God said about David, God said this, 1 Samuel 13, 14, he's a man after my own heart. And so, which means that you and I, for the most part, we can look at David and say, okay, he kind of figured out how to honor the Lord with his life. Let's look at him as a model. Now, warning, don't follow everything he did, okay? But um, a lot of it you can't. And, and I think one of those is some of his emotion to the Lord, okay? So did he have some emotion? He had extreme joy at different times. I mean, he wrote a lot of our Psalms, right? I mean, there was a time he was so singing and dancing for the Lord, he forgot he was in his underwear. Maybe you knew. I don't know. Either way, it happened, okay? You can study for yourself. We can talk about it later. The point of it, though, is this. He clearly had extreme joy unto the Lord. He tapped in to those emotions. It's a good model for us. Well, here's another guy. How about Apostle Paul? Uh, This is actually what Paul says about himself. He says, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. In other words, you want to know how to follow Jesus, you can also look to me as a model too. All right, so Paul, did you have emotions? He literally said he did. He says in 2 Corinthians 11 too, for I am jealous for you, talking about a church that he planted with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. He had a holy virgin of jealousy in that situation. And again, I am just scraping the surface, but I'm telling you, there are tons of people that we can look up to in the Bible that um, had emotions and honored the Lord with them, and that's another reason why we should. Now, finally, here's, here's another reason why we need to worship God with our emotions. Because if we love God, we're gonna want to obey him in this. If we love the Lord, you say, I, anybody here love the Lord? Well, then we need to obey him in his commands, because that's the thing. Get this, God commands us again, present your bodies, that includes our emotions, as acceptable to God. Later in the same chapter, he says it again, do not be slothful in intense emotions. Be fervent in spirit. In other words, God is commanding us to worship him with emotions. And if he's commanding us to do something, it must be important to him. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but my guess is maybe some might have came into this worship center and the other one over there. And when, when that was ushers, bless you, by the way, for serving us. But when you gave us that bulletin, and when we looked at that, we saw that E word on there. We thought, emotions? And then maybe a prayer happened like this. Jesus, I know you're going to come back someday. And if I can make a request, if you could come back before this sermon, I would really appreciate that because I don't want to spend 40 some minutes listening to a sermon about emotions. Are you kidding me? It's been so fun the last couple of weeks as I've mentioned to different people, hey, what are you going to speak on? And I was like, I think I'm going to do it on emotions. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Most of the guys would be like, <laughs> it was so funny. Even one even said, I have never thought about teaching about emotions from God's word. You know, it was so foreign. And then on the other hand, I'm not, oh man, most of the ladies, it is about time that we are talking about emotions. <laughs> Woo, it's about time. I'm bringing my husband, you know, kind of comments and stuff like, oh yeah, whatever you want to do, right? But, but here's the thing, okay? The reality is this, God has spent a lot of real estate in the pages of the Bible talking about emotions telling us about them, they exist, what to do with them, what not to do with them, you know, all this stuff, modeling them. I mean, it's clearly important to God. And again, he has told us there are certain things to do and not do with them. And so I have learned something in life in following Jesus. And one of those is this, if something's a big deal to God, it needs to be a big deal to who? To me too. And Jesus said in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, brothers and sisters, I lovingly challenge all of us. Let's make sure that that includes the commandments about emotions. If we really love the Lord, we're going to want to learn this stuff, even if it's not our natural forte, you know, to be all about emotions, but he's clearly commanding us to. Now that's some of the whys. Before we get to some of the hows, I want to give one more piece of information that's very important for us to understand about emotions. We need to understand that emotions are affected by this thing that we call sin. Sin is a spiritual disease, if you will, that started with Adam and Eve in humanity and has been spread to every one of us. 
And what it does is it permeates and affects every facet of what we are as human beings, mind, body, soul. It's why if you're sitting here and you're like, my joint hurts, it's because of the effects of sin. Okay, that's really why. And, and so it affects everything. So although our emotions are godly and holy and, and such, but when sin comes and starts messing with them, we, we get problems. Does that make sense? Okay, and so for instance, what I have learned is generally speaking, because of sin, emotions either get too hot or too cold, depending what they are. So it seems that most of the things that you read in the Bible that we should have increased uh, emotion about, the things of God, what do you think? Do they think the emotions because of our sin goes high or low, hot or cold in those things? It's just too cold, Right? This is why God tells us, do not be slothful in intense emotion. You need to have more emotions in these things for me. And you don't. Why? Because sin's affecting you and you need to make up for that. You need to address it. Does that make sense? So, so the things for God, those emotions too bad, you know, too, too often get down because of our sin. The other hand is the emotions for sinful things. Those tend to be too high because of our sin. And that's why we see all sorts of things like this. God telling us, hey, be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity, right? So God starts saying, hey, you need to start controlling and lessening certain, certain kinds of emotions, right? So here's the point, though, what I'm trying to say. Because of sin, we can't sit there and go, oh, emotions are from God. Just let them flow. Just let them go, right? Like, that's not going to be good for you and probably for other people around us. Instead, we got to address them, and we have to understand the fact of sin. Now, with all that said, let's get to now. What are some practical things that we can do to make sure we're glorifying and worshiping the Lord with emotions? Well, this is, again, not in any way, shape, or form exhaustive, but I hope that what we'll cover here for the rest of our time will be helpful. The first thing is we need to determine facts versus fallacies to help us with our feelings. We need to determine facts versus fallacies to help us with our feelings and our emotions. There's two angles with this. There's a proactive way to do it and a reactive way to determine facts versus feelings and, or fallacies. The proactive way is this, is that, uh, that if the more we study the facts from the Bible, the promises of God, the facts of the Bible about who we are, who God is, and all of this, the more that then when we get emotions, they'll be accurate and right compared to the facts, right? So in other words, uh, having emotion and even emotion for God, apart from right knowledge and facts is actually not good. Listen to what Paul said. He said this about a group of people. He said, for I testify about them that they have a zeal for God. Oh, great. Then it's all good. But not in accordance with knowledge. What knowledge? He's talking about the knowledge of the Bible. So passion and emotion by itself, not based on the facts of the word of God. That's not good. So we want to proactively study the word. This goes back to the idea that the right facts will steer our emotions. And if we do that ahead of time, it's going to help us. Now, I'm not going to camp a lot on this point because honestly, as we get back into 1 Thessalonians next week, we're going to have a whole sermon on this more. Okay, so I'm going to leave you hanging in, in a teaser, so you have to come back next week to get that. All right, so there's the idea. Now, here's the reactive way. The reactive way to determine facts versus fallacies when we're, now we're starting to sense, I'm starting to get sad. I'm starting to get mad. I'm starting to get whatever the emotion is. Make sure that we determine the facts to make sure that we're not having the feelings based off of fallacies. And, and, okay, so let me explain. Um, I have had to learn this so many times. I know it's going to be hard for you to uh, relate with, but have you guys ever been emotionally worked up about something and then come to find out you had the facts wrong and there was no reason that you needed to feel the feelings that you had? Okay, maybe I'm alone. Okay, maybe I'm not. All right, right. So I, I've had to really learn that in my life. And I like to think that I'm starting to say, you know what? Before I start getting emotionally responding to something, do I have the facts right? Uh, this really plays out when you're dealing with other people. Are you rightly interpreting the thing they said, the thing they did? I have learned that if you ask questions, clarifying questions, it will help avoid all sorts of emotional mess that didn't even have to happen in the first place. 
I, I found this one time, I was thinking through this, I was like, oh, I remember this one time, just not working with someone, but working with numbers. I was trying to balance our checkbook. And all of a sudden, I got some feelings of worry and anxiety. I'm like, how am I going to pay the world? We don't have any money. And I thought, okay, I'm going to check, check the numbers. And sure enough, thankfully, it was an error in our own favor, but there was no reason to have the feelings of worry that we actually had plenty of money. It was, it was, it was fallacy, you see? So this will really help the next time you're dealing with a certain emotion. Just make sure you have the facts straight. You don't want to have an emotional roller coaster or anything like that on something that you didn't have to in the first place. All right? Now, once we figure out the facts, here's something we can do, need to do. We need to examine and apply biblical lanes. Examine and apply biblical lanes to whatever the emotion is that we're dealing with. So I, I don't know if you've ever done competitive swimming. It's something that God just wired my body and things. And so I've been doing that. I did that as uh, growing up in competitive swimming in pools. And then when I got older, I would do triathlons. And I'll never forget the first time I did a triathlon where there's a, uh, the first part of it's the swim and it's in open water. Oh my goodness, is that different than a pool? It doesn't matter if you can swim in a straight line. I'm telling you, no one else can. And they are coming, and they're knocking you, and you're getting elbowed, and there are lifeguards pulling people out of the water left and right. It is chaos. Just a heads up, okay? So, and you know what it gave me? It gave me a greater sense of appreciation for the pools that I swim in. Why? Because what's in a pool? Lanes. Praise God for the lanes. That's all I got to say. Now, why did the people, whoever did this, why do they put lanes in there? Are they trying to slow a swimmer down? No, uh, they are trying to do it for everybody's good. That's why they're doing it. You know, they're not saying slow down. They're just saying, let it all out. But here's lanes for everybody's good. I think you might know where I'm going with this. Emotions have a holy and a good version where it's fully okay to let them go. But because of sin, we got to make sure there's biblical lanes that God has given us for every emotion in certain circumstances that we got to make sure we're in them or it's not going to go well. Does that make sense? And so we need to examine what they are out of the Bible and then start applying them. For instance, in Ephesians 4, it's going to tell you that there are some emotions you need to get and you don't have. You're going to get other ones that are emotions that you don't have that you need to get rid of or something like that. Anyway, then, then you get other ones where it's uh, you need to increase this one, you need to decrease that one. Then you get other ones that says, um, this one's good, but you got to be slow to it. If you go too fast, it's bad. And this other one, you got to get fast. And you know what I mean? It's like, did I mention we're complex creatures and emotions are complex? So I cannot at all cover this completely. But let me scrape the surface. There are some emotions that we are that God warns us to control. In other words, that there's a good version of it and a not a good version. Anger. Again, we said it earlier. Be angry, but don't swing in your anger. Be slow to anger, just like God. But that we know what that means is that if you go too fast, it's wrong. But actually there's a good version in the end if you wait and go slow. You see what I'm saying? It's complex. Here's another one: jealousy. It's good to be jealous. God is jealous. Paul was jealous, but obviously there's wrong jealousy. It's listed in list of sins. So there's that category of, uh, of what to do with emotions. Then you get another one. We're commanded to put these ones on. If you don't have it, you need to get it. If you have it, you need to get more of it. Joy. Sing joy to the Lord. Rejoice always. Get it. Uh, anger. Yeah, actually, if we don't have anger in some situations, we're supposed to. Romans tells us to hate evil. And hate includes anger. And if I'm sitting there and I see evil and it doesn't bother me emotionally, God's saying, you need to start hating that. You see what I'm saying? Then you get another category within emotions where as far as I can tell, there's no good option of it. It's like you just completely get rid of it. Bitterness, I think, is one of those. And there's some debate in all this. Like I said, it's, a, it's a, an interesting subject. But you see, we're complex. It's a complex subject. Now, I thought that we would go till dinner or midnight and we'll cover every emotion and every biblical lane for them. Is that okay? You guys didn't want that? All right, maybe not. Um, but what I want to do, first of all, I want to give you some resources, okay, to study specific emotions, what the biblical lanes are. This is on the bottom of the bulletin. And if you're, you want to learn about sadness, you want to learn a lot about grief, whatever it might be, there's awesome biblical resources found there. It's in your bulletin already. 
But another thing is, is that we also, as a church, we have a great opportunity that teaches about specific emotions and all sorts of things in the biblical counseling and discipleship training that we offer once a year. And you can sign up for that right now. And I really encourage you to take part of that training and you'll go through different emotions and all looking at the scriptures of what the lanes are. But here's the thing, even though we can't, we can't go and diving into every one of these, here, I want to say something what we don't do with all of this. As I've tried to show you, emotions are complex, and there's good versions and there's holy versions. But what I don't want to do that I sometimes see happen in the church is I hear brothers and sisters might start saying that they're thinking this way. You know what? Since emotions are so complex and sometimes we can get wrong with them and go into sin, let's just play it safe and turn off all emotions. That's godliness. Just just turn them all off. That's safe kind of language, kind of thoughts. You see? And another thing kind of fun with it. We should all become Vulcans, right? Just, Just turn them off. Because it's complex, too hard to too hard to figure this stuff out, and, and and this actually was a frame of mind in the early church because there was a predominant philosophical worldview called Stoicism that came out of the Greek world and it crept into the church, and it was this idea that knowledge is the supreme virtue, and feelings are you don't deal with you, you suppress them, you get rid of them. That's why when you look at ancient paintings like we did earlier, that's why Jesus looked stoic. It's not because he was in reality. It's because they thought that that is what godliness must look like. You don't have emotions. You suppress them. And then I'll even hear some things like this because I'll say, but wait, wait, wait. Again, we just said it today. Jesus had tons of emotions. I'm so confused. He clearly did. And then I'll hear things like this. Well, Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. Jesus had all these different emotions, but you know what? He was perfect. We're not. We can't handle emotions, so we should turn them off. Jesus was able to turn them on because he could do it perfectly kind of stuff. Dead serious, literally, out of the lips of brothers and sisters. Guys, let me say this. That is not just unbiblical view. It's actually unhealthy. It's actually scary because this is the kind of stuff the Pharisees did. They set up thousands of commands on top of the 613-some Old Testament commands to be safe, not to break the 613. And Jesus railed them because they did that. They went, what the Bible says, don't go beyond the scriptures. And and I've seen this with emotion. Listen to what John Piper says about this idea that we should just turn off emotions as Christians to be safe. He says a lack of emotions can be worse than too much emotion, where we, where we get the idea that emotion is a greater danger to the Christian faith than the absence of emotion is mind-bogglingly unintelligible to me. I think we catch where he's at on it, right? But again, uh, it's crept into the church. Uh, this is a little bit of what I've seen. It's been interesting as I've heard these things within the church, and when I say the church, like American church, and through local churches and local Christians, um, sometimes I've wondered this. If Jesus and some of the apostles like Paul, if they were here alive today in some of our evangelical churches, doing and saying the things that they do and said that we see in the Bible, would they even be disqualified from eldership according to the standards that we have created in churches Again, I'm telling you, some churches and some Christians are thinking, don't express emotions too much, really almost any at all. And I I, I think it's a warning sign. Now, some of us might be like, well, wait, wait, wait. I thought one of the qualifications of eldership is to be temperate. And I would say, that's awesome that you know that because that means you're studying your Bible. So let's talk about that, okay? So look at this. One of the elder qualifications is to be temperate. Now, phalios, it denotes self-control. Balanced judgment and freedom from debilitating excesses or rash behavior. I don't know about you, but I want elders that have that characteristic. Amen to that. That's a good thing. God put it there. It's needed. But let me say this really clear. No emotion is a world of a difference than controlled emotions. No emotion is completely different than controlled and godly emotions. Does that make sense? So I just say this in love to make sure, because I have heard people counsel others. And say, 
You just need to stop having emotions, basically. Just only think. It's just what the Bible says. And any emotion almost is like wrong kind of counsel, okay? Let's not fall there. Let's make sure we have a biblical view. Now, let's close out with some practical things we can do when we're starting to sense emotions. Here's something we should do. Make God and others your end desire. When we're in the middle of, of having an emotion, are, are we desire, we're desiring things. That's why we're having an emotion. And so it's a great question to ask yourself. When you start feeling sad, when you start feeling mad, when you start feeling whatever it is, ask yourself this question. Why am I feeling this way right now? Or another way to put it is this. What do I want that's causing me to feel mad or sad or happy? Do you see? And, 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 and so it'll help surface your desire in that emotion. Now, I'm going to say something that please don't throw anything at me until you've heard me out, okay? It's okay that's all. I see you. I'm watching you. Okay. So, so <laughs> I'm so worried now. No, just kidding. Okay. Um, it's okay to have feelings about yourself. It's okay to have desires for yourself. Okay. Let's take an example. The emotion of grief. What's grief about? At least part of it is what? I'm wanting the person that just died. I want a relationship with them. I'm going to miss them for the rest of my life. I'm grieving. Do you see? You see, that's okay to feel that way. Jesus, when he grieved for Lazarus, I mean, there's clearly, he doesn't say exactly why, but, and there could be multiple reasons. Was he grieving? Maybe because he saw other people grieving, probably had empathy, but there's no question. He would have had a part of it. It's like, I'm missing my friend Lazarus. I'm not going to see him for the rest of my life. Of course, we know the rest of the story, but It's okay to want things for yourself. Why do I say that? Because again, I've heard some counsel in Christianity in America that basically says any desire for yourself is always wrong. And I'm telling you, it's not wrong. But you've got to get the rest of my statement. Are you ready? But, but make sure that in the end, your desire ultimately is for God to be glorified and for the good of other people if other people are involved. Does that make sense? It's okay to want something for yourself, but it can't stay there. It's got to, if there's other people that you're, you're desiring for them to be served and desiring for them to be helped, and, and it definitely in every circumstance, God. God, I want you to be glorified. So let's go to Jesus, the perfect example. At the Garden of Gethsemane, the night he was crucified, right before it, he was he was, in the Bible, it says he was experiencing distress and agony. So much so, he was sweating drops of blood. If you analyze it and think about it, why was he so emotionally worked up? There's no way around it. He personally didn't want to be crucified. And I don't blame him. And it's not wrong for him to be emotionally worked up of a desire. I don't want to have to go through this, right? That's okay. But did he stop there? And I don't know about you, amen to that, right, sister? I am so thankful he didn't stop there at his own desire. Because one scripture says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And you know what? You and I are part of that joy for him. In other words, he loved us and he served us by going to the cross. And of course, the infamous line in his prayer to the father in that night, he says, father, not my will be done, but what? Yours be done. Ultimately, here's what I really want. I don't want to go to the cross for myself, but I want to go for you and for me to be able to have salvation and for the father to be glorified. Do you see how Jesus has modeled that for us? And so next time we're having emotions, let's make sure that that is what we get to, others and God. All right, here's another application help, hopefully, is when you're starting to experience an emotion, let's say it's one that maybe can get out of control, get out of lanes, not good. I've learned if you take a holy time out, it's very, very helpful. I get this idea from 2 Timothy 2.22, flee from evil, run from it. I see it modeled with Joseph, with the Potiphar's wife coming after him. And what does he do? He's like running for the hills. He is getting out of that and all the emotion that works up with it. And and, and here's the thing. We don't just run from 
But we then take our thoughts captive, is what the Bible says. And we start praying. He said, okay, Lord, here's this emotion. I know there's a holy version, but it's going to get unholy. I need you to help me to get it holy kind of thing. So helpful. I was talking with some parents, Holly and I, uh, not too long ago in the life of our church. And we were kind of crying on each other's shoulders about our precious, precious children. And how it's hard to believe, but once in a while, they can disobey 100 times in 10 seconds. And what's the emotion that starts coming up in those times? Anger. And, and there's a holy, righteous anger for a parent that with a child that's disobeying, that's okay, but... And I was sharing with them, like, something I've been trying more and more to learn and to apply is sometimes I'll be like, okay, time out for you. And don't tell them this, but the timeout's for me too. It's really, really for me. My son did not hear that. You did not hear that. Okay, but the point is this. Like, I need to take my thoughts captive and pray and just make sure it's in the biblical lanes that it needs to be. Does that make sense? This is so, it's helped me a ton. I hope it helps you. All right, let's finally, here's a couple other things. How about this? Choose to act despite the lack. What do I mean by that? This is when we have an emotion that we come across in the Bible. God says, you need to have it. And, and what if I don't have it? What if I'm just being honest? I don't feel that, God. What, what do I do? And this is the idea, again, that not only can our mind control our emotions, but they can help develop emotions that aren't even there. So here's an example. God says when we worship him, specifically like singing, things like that, we should, we should work up some compassion and joy, right? I mean, the lyrics, Psalm 95.1, sing for joy to the Lord. Am I tapping into an emotion of joy? So help me out with some of these songs. See if you can remember these. The joy of the Lord is my what? Strength. Remember that one? But when I sing it, do I like this? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Is that what we look like? Right? Yeah, okay, so help me out with this one. All right. Uh, I will dance, I will sing to be mad. Nothing, Lord, is hindering this passion in my soul. Right? That's an older one. I can tell you later. David Crowder. There you go. All right, so here's the thing. But when I sing that in my life, I will dance, I will sing to be mad for my king. Nothing, Lord, is hindering this path. Right? I mean, do we look like the words that we're saying? Are there any emotions there? Here's another one. This might hopefully connect with more people. And when I think that God, his son, not sparing, Send him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing. And because it's a sermon, there's an illustration, we got to stop. There you go. All right, but here's the point. When I'm singing such a song, am I doing it like this? And when I think that God is son not sparing, send him to die, I scarce can take it in. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like... You know what I'm talking about? Like, if we really believe something, it'll connect with the emotions. It really, really will. But yet, here's the thing. I have learned that there are some times I didn't get good sleep. I got something bad going on in my life. And whatever it is, I come into church and I just don't feel it. So what do I do? And I have learned that God has given us the will to help us when the emotions aren't there. And I have said, you know what? I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to tell my soul. David did this. He told his soul what to feel and do. And I'm telling you, if you do that, say, you know what? I'm going to sing these songs and I'm going to, I'm going to crank up what isn't there. And it's amazing how song after song, it's amazing where my emotions can finally start kicking in. And let me say this also about the emotion thing and passion and zeal and singing, things like that. Um, you know, God's made us all very different and that's good, extrovert, introvert, all these different things. And, and there's something else I just want to challenge us with, is that God is saying, crank up whatever your 10 on your dial is, crank that up to a 10. Your 10 might look different than my 10, than your 10. But the point is, are you at your 10? And if you aren't, why not? And get there. Does that make sense? Is that helpful too? So don't look around necessarily, although... Some of the extroverted people can definitely be inspirational when you see their passion and you're like, yeah, and it starts helping. How about this one? There's another emotion God says we need to have. We need to have a brokenness for who? The lost. Romans, Paul said, 
He had uh, distress and grievous loss, emotion, thinking about unsaved Jews. Jesus wept, thinking of all the unsaved people in the city of Jerusalem. Do we have a, a sincere, broken emotion for lost family and friends, coworkers, neighbors? And again, what do we do if we don't? I have learned that you take the mind God's given us and we go do and the emotions can catch up later. Let the engine do the thing. So in other words, do we wait to evangelize until I'm broken for the lost? No. You say, you know what, I need to and my emotions aren't necessarily where I know they need to be, but you know what, I'm gonna go start sharing the gospel and I'll tell you what I have found when I start doing that, eventually the broken heart starts catching up in time. That's my prayer, that's my hope for all of us that we do. And of course, tied right to that, last thing, ask the Holy Spirit for help. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. I mean, think about it. If you're the Holy Spirit and someone's saying, God, would you you help me have a broken heart? Don't you think the Lord would want to answer that kind of prayer? And again, God, he works with us. The choose to act, that's our part in in that we can do things with our mind and our will, but also we need the Holy Spirit too, don't we? And I have found that when I'm asking him to, to give me emotions that I need to have, he does. I have found that when I need to control emotions that are getting out of the lanes often, he helps me. And so let's take advantage of the blessing of the Holy Spirit in prayer and helping us. So I want to close with two points of application. The first is this, to challenge us. Spend some time with the Lord, and maybe some of you, you don't even need to because the whole sermon, you've had a certain emotion maybe the Spirit has been working on you about in your own life. Maybe it's an emotion you should have that you know you should, but you don't. Maybe it's an emotion, you know, it's, there's a holy version, but it hasn't been holy lately, okay? But whatever that is, ask the Lord, God, what's one emotion that I can focus in in the near future and, and maybe study the biblical lanes about and, and, and share with family group members and other people to pray with me for and really let's grow in worshiping him with a specific emotion. The other application I thought would be kind of fun is the emotion in singing. We happen to have a worship team. How coincidental is that, right? So why don't we stand and worship and make sure it's all connecting.
Y'all have a blessed week. We love you guys. Thank you.